0: Fulhamish Extra, my name is Sammy James. This is your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. This is a little bit different, uh, giving you some extra content uh, midweek as well as regularly on a Monday. I'm joined in the studio by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Don Betts. Hello, hello. And as a special treat for you all, Dan Crawford, how are you doing? Hello, Sammy, how are you? of Fulham Supporters Trust fame. I don't know about fame infamy maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, very nice to have you on the podcast. going to discuss um, all things FST in just a little bit, but we've got some serious action to preview tonight. So we've got two games in the space of just a few days. First of all, uh, we round off the first half of the championship season with the visit of Barnsley to what should have been a festive atmosphere at the Cottage, although after last Saturday, I have doubts that there will be too much cheer on the sidelines. And then we head on Boxing Day over to Cardiff a lovely arranged fixture over in Wales uh, the day after Christmas Day so we'll be previewing both of those probably a bit more emphasis on Barnsley now Jack, you have been an admirer of many a Barnsley player over the years I um, had a brilliant first season back in the second tier last season, but struggling much more this season, but not surprising given how much their squad was picked at last season
1: yeah, I mean, Barnsley absolutely raided from start to finish and, you know, obviously the the heart of their squad that got promoted uh, has been has been torn asunder, should we say. Um so so it is tricky, you know, players like Conor Hurahan who's now absolutely flying at Villa again. Um uh, James Bree who who who's flying less, but it is still a very good player on the less and you know they haven't replaced those players in, in the same way. You know it's very difficult to replace a player like Conor Hurano with that much, you know, not too much ability. They've they've actually picked up quite well. Tom Bradshaw I thought was a good pickup, uh, and Cameron McGinn who's coming from a low lower, lower league. So Lloyd his grove used to be at, at Southampton as well. He hasn't quite stood up to the the billing that he he was sort of brought in on. But you know Barnsley were always going to struggle second season, especially when you the amount of you know the amount of players are absolutely ripped from them so it makes it difficult but you know we're good at giving teams that aren't very good points so we'd imagine that you know when we play a two-eight-zero on on the weekend that we'll almost certainly lose 1-0 and uh, tom bradshaw as you mentioned
0: has been their main source of goals over oh, for a strike with seven goals that would be a that would be wonderful wouldn't it, that be it? nice yeah we, 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 it wouldn't matter though because if we had him we wouldn't play him Oh, of course not. Um, Tom, they've got some impressive young players. In fact, I'd look at their squad. Adam Hamill is by far the oldest member of their regular squad, and he's 29, and he's quite a few years above the rest of their squad.
2: Well, Barnsley have always been a team who likes to use young players, and it's it's something that a lot of uh, people admire, because in the championship, you sort of associate, to get out of it, you need these strong, experienced players, but you can compete well enough with all these young players. But I think... It's just stupid that we're, look, we're looking at Barnsley at home and worrying whether we can actually get any points out of it. I think that's just, just stupid. But, I mean, the way you have been playing this season, I'd probably expect Barnsley to come away with a 1-0 win with a goal in the 63rd minute. Um, Dan, how are you on
0: Fulham trivia, Fulham stats? Are you fairly strong? I don't know. Why don't you try me? OK. When was the
3: last time Fulham drew 0-0 at home in the league? It's about 180 games ago, 170 games ago. Can you like name that. me a year? I want to go first season of a i've got august 2011 which i believe is right yeah no it would be isn't that august 2011 that'd be aston villa at home that's exactly exactly it so
0: well done you've uh, passed the test with flying colors um obviously goal scoring has been a massive problem for barnsley in the last few games only scored two in their past seven ours are very well documented could this be the first nil nil in six years
3: it 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 could be, but um, you know, it looked like we were going to have a nil-nil at the Stadium of Light for for uh, for quite some time on on uh, Saturday. So um, I wouldn't count any chickens. And there seems to be an air of negativity, which doesn't really fit with the festive uh, period around the around the table here, started by uh, our good friend Mr. Collins. Um, Barnsley are a, are a very interesting side, I think, because not only have they got the um, Talent and the uh, recruitment policy that that uh, our colleagues have outlined, but they've also gone big time money ball. Um, they've got one of the best managers uh, in the championship. They play good football. They will come and play at Craven Cottage. That is how they do things. And we're pretty good against teams who try and come and play. Um, and I, you know, maybe it's just I'm I'm, I'm new to these uh, Fulhamish podcasts, but it's very. Fullermish to sort of, you know, meander around, produce a really poor couple of really poor displays and then come and absolutely hammer somebody and I do remember us hammering Barnsley around Christmas time a few times uh in the past now I wouldn't go and put your house on Fulham romping to success on Saturday um but I was fairly confident that we would lose at Sunderland because it's just what we do <laughs> well, you know, we haven't become a terrible side overnight so you know I don't see that we need to be too doom and gloom about it last season against Barnsley was probably I know that games like
0: Newcastle away and Huddersfield away will be the ones that attract the headlines down the years when we think back about great Fulham performances but last year 2-0 at home against Barnsley was some of our best football Scott Malone scored an absolutely sensational goal scored that volley uh, from the Chris Martin cross from the right hand side and I remember we named the podcast the Cottage Carousel because that's how good our passing was that day. So if we could replicate a little bit of what we had last season against Barnsley, we'll be in for a festive treat. But uh, with Slav in charge, it doesn't seem like that's going to be too likely on Saturday.
1: You know that I am a massive fan of passing football. I would like nothing more than for the Cottage Carousel to return. Nothing would make me happier than Fulham playing football again that worked in terms of how we passed the ball and how we took teams apart and how we broke at pace and how we smashed through the transitions, to quote Ben Jarman, in that kind of fashion. And last season, I was so upbeat about everything, even when we lost, because we were playing such gorgeous football all the time. And it was always, you know, if if we lost, it was because we were outplayed by better sides and and ultimately it has come down to the point now where we're not even producing that kind of football like nowhere close to that kind of, of level of quality and ultimately it, it it feels so so different to where we were last season and it feels like Everything almost has completely changed.
3: It's uh, sad, really, that Jack's sort of post-World Cup Irish hangover is being inflicted on the um, listeners of the the podcast. You know, <laughs> I feel like he's very down on on things at the moment. And, and you said, you know, with Slab as the manager, Sammy, um, some of these things. Apologies, uh, it's may, just hard may not, not to return. be. No, it's okay. We do, we do I, this I, week in I'll the game. I see that. I see that my role is to try and produce some optimism for the floundering Fulham please, fanbase, please because please. otherwise the Putney Samaritans hotline is going to be jammed with listeners ready to throw themselves off buildings <laughs> having listened to this. Um, right, let's 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 talk about some facts here. When we talk about great Fulham performances at home last season. You know, they didn't really start coming until end of November, Christmas time, when we went on a huge run of pummeling Reading, Huddersfield and a few other sides at home. We played intermittently really good football around that. But it's a fact, if you look at Jukanovic's record in all forms of football, that his sides are much stronger in the second half of the season uh, than the first. Now, um, we came from a monstrously poor position to to reach the playoffs um, last time. And no, this, not quite as bad as the situation we're in well, now. Well, well, no. I mean, I remember walking away from St Andrews last season. Actually, bumping into Dom, I think, on the way there, and we both sort of conceded that after the kind of away performance that that happened uh, there, that the playoffs were were a long way off, um, and we catapulted our, our way into it. Let's let's just have a look at um, let's just have a look at what we've got in terms of players coming back into into the picture, potentially for this weekend or certainly for this run of fixtures, you're looking at somebody like Lucas Piazon potentially returning to, mm-hmm. a, to a starting role or at least a cameo role at, at this point. And I really think... Um, Piazon is somebody who's, uh, who's seriously been missed this season because not only can he play wide and offer goals from a wide position, he can also play in that number 10 role or an advanced role um, to create to create chances for others. And you've also got potentially um, Floyd uh, coming back in, and we saw what Floyd could do um, in terms of goal scoring and, and chance creation and it 's clear at the moment that the sort of fluidity between the front three in that system that Slavisa likes to play has been um, ha- has not been there, but as they work on it, it could come right and as I say um, the role of a Fulham supporter is to suffer when things go badly but also to retain that tiny bit of optimism that you know we are a half decent side when we get it going and one of these days hopefully we're going to show it.
0: I guess the shame for me is that we've had 22 games this season and I can think of about three times where I've been genuinely entertained by this Fulham side this season and genuinely had proper hope coming out of a game. I, even when we've picked up a few victories you know I'm thinking back to Millwall and Birmingham I, I've been hardly overcome with excitement after watching the game and thinking this is a side that's got real promise and going on. And I just think some of the decisions Slav are making are baffling at the moment. I don't think it's Slav out, get rid of him now, because I'm actually not sure really what the long-term policy of doing that is. But at the moment, I've got little cause for celebration. And I think that's the general feeling yeah, on no, this no, podcast. No. But it is genuinely refreshing no, to have no, yourself no, coming no, on. No one's
3: with... celebrating Summit at this point. Let's be clear. But we are still in the top half and we are, you know, hmm. potentially three results away from, from, from the playoffs. And actually the reason we didn't go any further than the top six last season was because we didn't grind out results at home when we were playing poorly, which we did in the last two in the last two home games. Well, if Fulham do win on
0: Saturday, um, we'll have won as many at Craven Cottage this season as we have won away from home. So it'll be four victories each. So Dom, maybe now we're going to have to start relying on that home form in order to advance up the table because away from home in the past couple of months, we've not looked anywhere near as strong as we have maybe in the past year sheffield united aside
2: i mean people just need to acknowledge that we are just a mid table championship team as far as i'm concerned we've, we've shown over the last three or four years that that's the standard we've sort of led up to and people still have this thing because we're in the premier 13 years we should be challenging for every year but so are blackburn so are bolton that's what they were and then they turned into these mid table champions, sides and both have been relegated to league one in recent seasons but i also think that like we at the moment, where well, Jack spoke about. We, obviously, we, we like having possession football, but like at the moment, it's just possession for the having of sake for the sake of having possession. We've mentioned it so many times; it so doesn't seem to be any purpose with it. Like on the weekend again, I think we had sixty six percent possession, and all we mustered were three shots on target in the entire game against a team who haven't won at home in a year. I exactly. think that's just ludicrous. I'd like,
1: itching, to speak. I'd like some to redress these facts with some facts. Let's put some other facts in perspective. Alternative yes, facts. Yes, we made a late push for the playoffs. The only reason that Fulham got in the playoffs last season was because Leeds bottled it. Let's, let's, let's face facts. Leeds got four points from their last 18.
2: What were they, 11 points ahead of us? They were we 11
1: points clear when we drew with them. And, and, and if they hadn't had a catastrophic collapse, Fulham would not have made the playoffs. It's as simple as that.
3: That's all right. Sorry, Tom Kearney, uh, Florida Ito you know all of these wonderful players that we had you know you didn't put together an amazing run it's all right Fulham weren't excellent at the end of the they season were. they were excellent Fulham weren't excellent at <laughs> the, the end reason- of the season no, no, Dom's just reason- decided that Leeds bottled it okay. but, they have.
1: but they also the other, the other thing to announce is the reason you said that we didn't push for the top two was because we had such a poor start to the season okay and what we did was we were like okay that was obviously Ikanovic's squad gel- gelling together and building some sort of rapport with each other working out some sort of system that worked for them which I was like okay fair enough I'm we said it on the podcast that things were coming. At the start of last year, we were like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. At some point, we're going to absolutely have someone. And, we, and then we did, and then it went on, and then we built a, a run of form on the back of that. Over the summer, we have regressed. We have regressed about 60%. We look worse last, uh, against Sunderland than we did for the majority of last season in the run-up to where we were building some sort of form. The other thing is, we're saying in here, like, Lucas Piazon coming back is going to be some sort of saviour. Lucas Piazon didn't get in the first eleven last year. He didn't start. He didn't start games, and now some, now now somehow everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's our savior and our our lord and everything," and he uh, he's the man that's going to come back and, and sort all these problems out. If Lucas Piazon couldn't get in a side that only finished sixth in this division, then why are we why are we thinking that he's suddenly you know the the be all and end all? I like Lucas Piazon. I'm doesn't excited. sound like it, mate. I, he's a I'm friend ex- of the pod. I'm excited for Lucas Piazon to come back, but I don't think that he's going to be the answer to all of these problems. Okay. The, the the third point that was made, that was made there was that you were like this front three isn't fluid. The front three isn't fluid because we're playing a centre midfielder who's injured in the middle of our strike force and playing our strikers out out wide. There is absolutely no sort of sensibility to what is going on there's in no that there's no tactical front three. intelligence in that and the substitutions that keep getting brought on we go one nil down at Sunderland's and so what do we do we bring off a striker who's playing on the on playing wide and bring on another striker who we then also play wide and then wait until the 89th minute before bringing on another player to replace a centre-back just as so though we can see and overload the box with one minute to go none of that makes any tactical sense
3: Oh, look, oh, sorry I appear to be the spokesman for Slavisio Kanovic the case for the defence some would this say evening. yeah absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll mount the case for defence because quite frankly I think it's disparaging to speak about um, a head coach and a, and a set of players who produced what they did last season in a way that in the way that Jack just has because Dom actually nailed it which is for the duration of our time in the championship we produced half an excellent season of championship winning form let's not just you know yes other people were ahead of us and yes they dropped out it wasn't just Leeds there were a couple of other sides who were were uh, higher and, and, and fell away, we produced championship winning form. Well, I mean, that, re- that's, reach, un- that's undeniable reach, because reach, if you look at the second the, half of last reach, season... To reach the top six last season. So, yeah. you know, let, let's, just put, let's just put that on, on the table here. Um, and I, I think there just has to be some realism, which is that every time you don't go up in this league with the financial fair play uh, restrictions, with other teams with greater financial resources and juggling that every time you don't go up other teams strengthen other teams have also had six months to sit down and look at how Fulham's set up and there's clearly you know clearly Slavisa adheres to his main tactic which seems to be this 4-3-3 even when you don't have or don't want to play a conventional forward and I totally agree um, that it's baffling in, in, in that regard but I think if we're you know the head coach has questions to answer but we haven't become a terrible team overnight because we you know, lost a game at Sunderland where there was a catastrophic defensive mistake. Um where, you know, we're we we're we're, we're mid table. We're not um we're not flying. Uh we're we're not out of the top six but we're not we're not and we're not we're not doomed to relegation but we need to be realistic about about where we are and that realism has to address um, the fact that this is a horrible league i think tom kenny tom kenny said at the at the weekend you know you don't know what you're going to come up against uh week in week out um and it's very difficult to string results together and clearly when the players are low on confidence it's it's going to be much more difficult, but I don't think we should sort of, you know, rip it all up and, and and start again because we're not that far off where we were last season, in my view. Completely fair enough. Well, quick nod to Cardiff. Going to
0: be very tricky uh, to get anything out of that one. They've been blistering at home this season. Uh, what a difference a year makes, though. And as you point out, this league is ruthless. We went to their stadium pretty much this time last year, back in early January, played them off a of park. I know it was an FA Cup fixture, but still the difference between the two sides at that time was alarming for a Cardiff fan. And then, you, and you look at it now and they're, they're singing Sol Bamba's name in the stands. So it's going to be a very, very difficult one to get anything out of that game.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, can we just also give a kind mention to both uh, the FA and the EFL for their wonderful scheduling of the both of those fixtures? Well, I actually did want to talk to you about this. I'm glad you've brought it up. Okay. For, for context, of course, that game where we, we thoroughly dominated Cardiff in the FA Cup at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning was against Cardiff's second string just after Neil Warnock um, had come in. And Neil Warnock made a very. Uh, strong pitch to his crazy chairman and board that he needed to be backed with serious resources in order to turn them into promotion contenders. Um, and when we played them in the league, it was like lump it to Kenneth Tahura. So it'll be interesting to see if their tactical uh, plan has progressed beyond there. The point about... Uh, you know, so we followed up a Sunday eleven o'clock kick off for the might of b b c Wales um with a boxing day uh kick off in Cardiff when the f l has stated policy that says they'll make it easier for supporters to attend local games over the festive period so not only have we got um cardiff on on boxing day where there's very little realistic chance of people getting any kind of public transport to the to the fixture we follow it up with hall um uh, before the new year again, when um, supporters are going to find it very difficult to 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 get to games, and you know, I know we're not all enthused at the moment about following Fulham away, um, but it should be a little bit easier than it is, in my view. Well, I, I'm I'm very angry. I mean, I'm around between
0: Christmas and New Year. I potentially could have gone to a game or two had it been anywhere even slightly closer to the southeast, but I can't make Cardiff and Hull. And to be honest, when I saw those. Fixtures come out. Plus, also, then to have your only festive fixture uh, two days before Christmas isn't ideal for a lot of people. And there's people on this podcast that can't make it. And then to have the fixture not even on New Year's Day, hmm. but on the Tuesday evening hmm. on a work day, it's a pretty terrible.
3: It's not ideal. Festive um, fixture lineups. You know, so. we've made it clear to uh, so we made it, so so the reason that uh, Fulham have been away. Five years in a row on Boxing Day is because there's an arrangement, a policing arrangement, um, and a memorandum that's signed between the EFL, the Premier League, and the respective authorities, which is that Chelsea, sorry for swearing on the podcast, mm. take um, take priority um, with their with the policing matters, and of course you can't police two games. Uh, Simultaneously, locally, and uh, the English Football League have sort of decided not to intercede with this, um, and made it worse because you could have put a derby or a local game in, in London or the Southeast, as you say, uh, Sammy. But you know, the fixed computer has given us Cardiff, which I think most people would agree, great weekend a potential great uh, city to go and enjoy Mm -hmm. if you have the time to to go and do it put it on boxing day and the only realistic hope is either driving yourself or um, letting the the club coach take the strain and we'll see um, just how many people how many people want to do that but frankly it's another um, indication that the modern football fan is taken for granted uh, by the football authorities, in my view.
0: Well, Dan, we're going to speak to you much more about um, FST, support Trust Matters, in just a little moment. Uh, but first, let's catch up with the Barnsley fan about this Saturday's fixture. It's Sammy here, and I'm joined on the phone by Chris and Carlo from Red's Report, a Barnsley FC podcast. How you doing, chaps? How's yourself? Yes, very good, thank you. Looking forward to the game this weekend. Now, uh, you've had a new takeover this week. Not very often you see Barnsley at the top of BBC Football, but there you were yesterday. Big news of a takeover. Uh, lots of interest in this one. So, imagine it's been a fairly busy week for you guys.
4: Yeah, I mean, we, we record, and obviously because of everything that's happened, we've had to record elsewhere, but we've still been able to talk to players, ex-players and current players. Um, it's nice to see uh the BBC pre Barnsley at the top. Um they, you know, did, his name wrong, they did as well. Well put an N in Barnsley? They? <laughs> so these things happen. But, but it's no it's it's nice. Uh from the press press conference and consortium of of owners, there's um the, the, you know, we we have got Billy Bean obviously from America, uh, Chen Li, uh from China, there's another gentleman from from, from India. From India and uh, yeah, all experts in their own fields bringing their expertise to Barnsley and, and for a lot of people, is are very, you know, some people say teams like Barnsley, should be in this division, um, but they were talking about it's quite refreshing to see a team in the Championship, we are self-sufficient, we're not in any depth and um, yeah, um, I think exciting times ahead and I think that starts maybe not on Saturday at Graven Cottage but definitely I think we'll see a difference oh, the in the transfer game. yeah and in the transfer window starting in January
0: I'm excited to see how Barnsley goes with the money ball approach which has been spoken about a lot obviously Fulham have been using it for several seasons as have our neighbours Brentford so interested to see what you guys do in the transfer market now it's not going so well in the league for you this season uh, but it was always going to be a difficult second season after losing so many key players last year
4: yeah, it, it certainly was. You know, the thing is, the, the, the year 2017 has been a disaster, really, on, on the field. We've actually only won 10 league games in 2017, which, when you look at the, the year we had in 2016, it's two sides of the coin, isn't it, Sammy, for Barnsley, in that respect? But, um, you know, we, we've got to look at it and say we're out of the bottom three. Paul's brought in 17 new players using the Billy Bean approach. I might have, we've done that ourselves the last three or four seasons. So, for the players that he's brought in, I think we're just more than happy to have our heads above water and be, be out of the relegation zone, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it, January 16 was key um, when uh, it, it started then with Conor Hurrahain, James Bree, and Sam Winnow leaving. Um, other stalwarts that we then still had in the club, and we were all full of keeping hold of them, but. By to Mark Roberts, club captain, local lads. Bye, bye to Marley Watkins. That's bye good. to Josh Cohen. And, and the list was endless. So to bring in 17 players, and I'm just looking at Chris, I think none of those players had any championship experience. Um, that's the ones that were left, mate, in, in, in Adam Davis and, and Adam Hamill. Yeah. And, and, and Angus McDonald. So it was a new... A new era for all the players. It well. is, and, and and definitely, you know, most of the time now. I mean, our captain's been injured um, for a couple of weeks, so you only really have Adam Hamill and Adam Davies in goal that you might recognise at Craven Cottage on Saturday.
0: Yeah, there's not many household names. You've got such a young squad. It's it's very impressive to see you bringing through so many young British players. In fact, do you have any non-British players? Oh yeah, you've got Tiam and Yeardham, um, from from what yeah, from yeah, what yeah. I can I, see.
4: Adam obviously played out last season mm-hmm. from Ghana. Uh, Mamadou Tiam, a young player brought over from France, and, and sort of finding his feet, I think, in the championship at the moment. He, he started his first game not long ago, and he seems to be doing okay. In, I think Paul Lackingbottom like is still looking for his A his best eleven, if he's not playing by injuries, but also in what shape that best eleven actually sets up on the pitch. I'd say so, yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, apart from those two players you mentioned, who should Fulham fans look out for on Saturday? Who are the danger men? Obviously Bradshaw's been chipping in with most of the goals, as has Harvey Barnes.
4: Harvey Barnes is the one to look at. I think that the, the thing about Harvey is, is, in, is it's his ability to change nothing, something. He did it at Hillsborough, he did it at Burton as well when he was on the byline and he cut in and smashed home. He did it at home to QPR, another game we should have won. Harvey Barnes definitely one to keep an eye on for the future. And George Moncur, if he's on on his... On his metal, if he plays in the number ten role, George Monkirk can cause serious problems. And I think for me, and that, that's probably one of the downfalls of, of the squad as it is at the moment. Two well, not dangerous players for me that stand out at the moment are Harvey Barnes, who's obviously on loan uh, from, Leicester. from Leicester, and Joe Williams yeah. as a defensive midfielder um, on loan from Everton. I think Joe Williams 19, just gone 19, 19 or 20 again. Um both of them played together for the young Lions squad uh, in the summer and obviously did extremely well but I think those if anything will stand out as a a talent
0: Um, now I think last season you saw Fulham at our very best Uh, it was two very impressive performances from the White first up at Oakwell and then back at the Cottage in January I imagine though you'll be confident though of getting a result this season given our inconsistent form it's not a bad time to be playing Fulham
4: I, 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 I don't know I mean I voted for Fulham as the best team in the Championship last season because I think both at Oakwell and at Craven Cottage, I thought you were leagues and leagues above anybody else that we played that season. And there's not for flattery because we're on the podcast. No, yeah, no well, we, we said it sh- earlier in the show. If you actually listen back to our show, we mentioned to the, the Radio Sheffield reporter who we spoke to actually labelled your team the best team we'd seen yeah. last season when covering Barnsley. So, it, it's, it, but it's a different team again, isn't it? Yours is probably a different team. Ours is a complete. If we played you now with the Blaze we had last season, we're probably not quite confident, but, you know, again, we, we've we just gone through who we think will be playing, and we can't even decide on the back four as yet because of injuries and, and, and changes that he's made to the squad. So, are we confident? Probably the only confident because we lost five on the trot and we managed a nil mill, mill at Brentford. Now, Brentford, obviously, were, were doing OK, and to stop them scoring, although we couldn't score ourselves, Listen, a point on the road, there's a point on the road. And when you fall from bottom, you'll take that, won't you? Yeah, to be honest, Sammy, we both are cadoris. It's not that we lack confidence in the side. I think that to go away from home in this league and get a point, would be we'd be more than satisfied with that going into boxing there against Preston at home.
0: Um, are you both making the trip to the cottage on Saturday?
4: Yeah, we will be, well, doing we'll the we'll be there. We'll be there. You. You'll try and keep us away.
0: <laughs> What's the best thing about a trip to the cottage, boys?
4: It's, I think I enjoy, similar to the Wembley, is the, um, going to Doncaster Station, getting on the train, going down to King's Cross and then making your own way across and then doing what you want. I think it's always a nice time. I enjoy going down there and doing that kind of thing. You see, and just seeing things differently. We we like to travel in cars here. I like going down on the tube and things like that. It's, it's a nice day out for me. And, and it's it's one good thing as well, and you'll know that if you go to away games, even if Manfred lose five on the road, we will still take a really decent following. And if anything, and it came out of the press conference today as well, um, what they were saying, um, you know, we've got um, pubs and clubs around Oakwell that will take three or four coaches and um, it, it's just, and I know sounds really, it's just catching up with them in a different stadium, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and seeing people you haven't seen for a couple of weeks, uh, but yeah, a trip to the capital, uh, hopefully it, it's not as cold as what it is up here, but yeah, always look forward to it. And I like a walk through the park around Craven Cottage as well before the game. I remember doing that in 2000 when we came with Dave Bassett and that was a, a memory that I hold on to because we were a good side that year as well. And I, I do remember things like that. I always enjoy coming to Craven
0: Cottage. Well, one reason I'm kind of hoping we might get knocked out of the cup is that I'm looking forward to a trip to Oakwell uh, in January because I've never been there before. So I'm hoping to make the trip uh, in late January. Boys, um, can I just get a prediction before you go?
4: Yes, yeah, we, we've just done one uh, on, on our podcast. I've gone, I've gone for a one-one, and I'm going to take a, 0-0 I think. Hard to be. We'll get another point on the
0: road. Well, interestingly, we just mentioned it earlier in our podcast, there's been no nil-nil at Craven Cottage in the league uh, since 2011. Right,
4: that's nailed on then. And that was yeah. our to be honest with you, one of, the, one of the Barnsley fans that follows us has had a bet on a goal in every Barnes game this season and it finally comes up for him last Saturday. Oh, right, OK.
0: So, uh, that was... <laughs> so I'm going to go for it again, I think. Well, I'm certainly not... Uh expecting too many goals on Saturday, so I think a nil is very possible. Boys, thank you for joining us on the podcast today and hope you have a great day on Saturday. Not too good though. Not too
4: Well, enjoy the day out, if not the football. And Cheers,
1: Sammy. Thanks a lot. So, welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Um, We are about to conduct a little interview with Mr Dan Crawford about the recent developments that have been made in the Fulham Supporters Trust. So, Dan, I'm going to hand over to you basically straight away. Would you walk us through just what it is that the uh, the Trust achieved last
3: week and, and why it's important for Fulham fans? I'll try. Thanks, Jack. Um... We as a so the, so the Fulham Supporters Trust, just for a brief potted history, if I may, was formed from the successful Back to the Cottage campaign in 2003, when a group of Fulham fans decided that they were going to protest about Fulham potentially being at Loftus Road or somewhere else for longer um, than the two or three years that, that had been indicated by the club. Um, we've always worked to try and further the. Interest and influence of fans at Fulham, with varying degrees of success, um, and we were approached, having had a meeting with Alistair McIntosh, in uh, just after the club had been relegated from the from the Premier League in in 2014, to change our quarterly meeting, as it was, to a monthly meeting to to uh, have a discussion with the club about various issues. Now, those monthly meetings have continued; they're attended by elected. Uh, members of our trust board and club officials Um, last week we as a trust signed what's called a memorandum of understanding with Fulham Football Club which commits the club formally to carrying on this arrangement rather than it just being something that Mr McIntosh and Mr Khan might think is a good idea which is actually very important um, for us because um, previously I think we were relying on the goodwill of um, some senior people uh, at the football club and sort of treading on eggshells uh, a little bit as to the to the future arrangement. So this
0: means going forward, no matter kind of who's in charge of the club, whether as a change in ownership or change in CEO or change in media officer, whoever you liaise with, that there's an agreement that the supporters trust is the main faculty of supporters in order to have
3: that direct dialogue with the club yeah so we've had what's called structured dialogue with the club for, for three years Sammy. Um and the club has recognized that the supporters trust is a democratically constituted body it it's, uh, files accounts and you know is formally audited and recognized by the two main supporters groups and um, we're recognized a as the constituted voice of the supporters now it's very clear it it also goes into some detail about what we can be consulted about and what should be discussed so that's anything that's a material change to the supporter experience um at, at craven cottage any issues that the fans wish to bring to to the club's attention any changes to the ground uh the club's name colors Or playing arrangements, if we were to play somewhere else, um, for example, and it builds on. I mean, our our relationship has always been um, stronger than the rules that were introduced by the Premier League and the EFL a couple of years ago, which said that um, fans clubs should meet with their fans twice a year. You know, they 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 brought that in on the basis that um, it was on the basis of the European. Rules that UEFA had put through for clubs in in European competitions, um, and you know, I am not someone who, as you've already seen, who sort of uh, un- un- unquestionably goes along with with a, with a line or or. And it's very important to say this because we've signed this understanding with Fulham. It means we can have the opportunity to have these discussions. Um, it mean, it doesn't mean that we're not still totally independent of the of the football club you know we are the voice the the voice of the fans we do recognize that it's very difficult to say that there's one way that one way that Fulham fans think about things you know so it's an opportunity to have a dialogue and to share information um, and see where we go but it's obviously very encouraging because when we started campaigning we were very much protesting against the club and now we're in the room, at least having the discussion with people who who are willing to listen to us.
1: So, you know, you, you said about how the the things that they've definitely directly consulted on are, are about the name and the, especially does that count for Craven Cottage as well? Does yeah. does
3: that have you know does that carry on into the ground and how many? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we um, as, as an organisation, Craven Cottage is in our aims and objects. Yep. We we're our whole raison d'être is to to keep keep Fulham at Craven Cottage and to recognise broader than that the history of what you know the unique history of our, our club which is a big reason why all of us are, are Fulham fans so one of the key things that we've been discussing over the past few months is how you get from a stage where we had a planning application that didn't go forward because uh I think Mr Khan wasn't as keen on uh Mr Alphire's plans as Mr Alphire was well um, naturally as they say well you know well I, I couldn't speculate about that um you know, they uh, for one thing they didn't have a big Michael Jackson statue in the in the corner of the ground, thank goodness. Um, but so so we've been uh, liaising on that, and that's obviously a development that has also uh, progressed in the past few weeks. So um, the club has submitted our planning application to Hampson and Fulham Council, uh, which uh, is very different from 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 the previous one. It still builds on the fact that we do have planning consent for thirty thousand. Seats at, at Craven Cottage, but it offers a bit more in terms of hospitality and community um, benefit. And so we've been uh, liaising with the fans, liaising with the club, and you're now at the stage where we're preparing uh, submissions for for the council, but also speaking to fans more broadly about, you know, yes, we're preparing for potentially having a new stand. Um, what do supporters uh, want in that facility? What is currently missing from Craven Cottage that would that would uh, benefit benef- benefit supporters, and equally, you know, there is a there is a school of thought that this is just a corporate um, addition to to boost the hospitality offer. And while that whilst that's true, um, that's not uh, what we would want it to be in it, in its entirety. You know, um, giving more access to to bars or restaurants or places where Fulham fans can congregate because inside the ground there really isn't one at the moment largely because of the the lack of space that, that, that there is which means that you're sort of if you do go early for a beer you're sort of crammed in behind the Hammersmith end or in that riverside uh, bar or, you know, in the Johnny Haynes, yeah. you're really crammed in like sardines.
0: What are the advantages of joining the FST? You know, uh, most of us in here are uh, paid-up members and uh, we, we paid our tenor. What advantages are there, though, to fans for joining? And likewise, what does the FST get out of your money?
3: The advantages of, of joining a support... I mean, I'm biased, obviously. No, no, um, no but... The advantages of, of joining a support trust are, first of all, that you're... Um, signing up to something that says, you know, I'm passionate about my football club. I want uh, fans to have a, b- a bit more influence over how they run. In terms of what you get for your hard-earned cash, Sammy, um, you know, you, I don't earn that many tenants. Uh, oh, really? Well, yeah. well, we'll see what we can do about that. Um, uh, in terms of what you get for your for your hard-earned uh, cash. There's a few things. You get the ability to be involved in the decision making of the trust. So we elect our officers. We have an AGM, uh, boring though it may sound, every year that sets that, that sets policy and uh, examines everything we've done. Well, so, people listen to two hours of this podcast well, every week, so I'm sure it'll be I'll, nothing on that. I'll wait to see what the uh, <laughs> listening figures are for this particular segment. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, the supporters trust is affiliated to the national bodies, so I know that. Uh, Fulhamish has previously worked with the Football Sports Federation on some uh, campaigns in terms of mm-hmm. away away ticket pricing um, a, a, and a few other things. We're also affiliated to Supporters Direct, um, so uh, we have a clear we have a clear seat at the table in terms of discussions. Um, the chair of the Fulham Sports Trust. Tom Greatrix is also the chair of supporters direct now. So that means that he goes and meets with the, the FA we meet with the football authorities regularly and for, you know, one of the big things that we've done is, um, is represent Fulham fans wider than just at the club. So we have a regular meeting with the police where we talk about policing and shooting, um, which uh, some away grounds is disgraceful. Um, and we try and, boost the Fulham, Fulham experience so as a, as a member of the Sports Trust you get a regular email you get some newsletters you get quite a bit for your £10 because also you could come along to some of the events that we, we've started to run uh, there was one with Mickey Adams uh, a couple of weeks ago which was pretty good um, and we yeah. also had Brian McBride uh, back a, a bit earlier in the season so we're trying to and we have an end of season uh, fans dinner as well but we're open to suggestions you know of of things that um that people think a supporters' trust should be doing because at the end of the day we are the voice we are the the fans trust so you know we're not we're not um we're not jealous, if uh, or, or, or too proud to take on a good idea wherever it comes from. My next
1: question was all going to be about those events, but you have actually covered that. So, Dan, I'm going to I'm going to piss you on a uh, what?
3: Where do people go to join the trust, and and how do they get involved? Oh, it's very simple. So you go to Trust dot com, and there's a first of all have a read of all the stuff that's um, that is on there. So when we're talking earlier about. Um, the Memorandum of understanding and the dialogue uh, you go there 's fulllhaportrust dot com forward slash structured dialogue which uh, takes you through all of that development but actually there 's a join us page um, where you can if you if you 're so motivated by, by these pearls of wisdom this evening then you can you can click there um, but equally you can email uh, info at Um, if you've got any questions um, and we try and uh, be as proactive as possible in 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 recruiting people um, and also answering queries of the fan base because you know uh, we're not we are a membership organization that is true but um, you know we we totally respect that people might not know about the trust so when they have a query we 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 try and answer it
0: brilliant well Dan, thank you very much for coming on. We can also read uh, any of your articles as well at hammyend.com. Uh, we're, we're big fans over here uh, at Fulhamish and uh, some of your other com- contributors that you have over there as well. So thank you for uh, your very passionate thoughts on uh, the upcoming games and uh, Sunderland and everything like that. And it's good to find out a bit more about the Supporters Trust as well. And I'm sure to many people it would be been very informative. So thank you for
3: being on. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Lads, do you know what be the perfect Christmas present? Beer. Yeah, exactly. Do you know where you can get that? Beer 52. Well done. Do you know how you can get it really cheap? Put a code Fulham in at the checkout. Perfect. You actually get a free crate of 10 craft beers. Ben Jarman, how does that sound? Tasty. Don Betts, how does that sound? Team cans. Use the code Fulham at beer52.com and get it in time for Christmas. The code's not going to last for long. Hashtag Christmas cans. Big bag of fat Christmas cans. Well done, lads. All right, welcome back to Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James, and as it's Christmas and it's an annual tradition that we started one year ago, it is time for the Fulhamish Christmas Quiz. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> everyone's very excited in the studio. <laughs> So, yeah, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, indeed. So, each of us have written two questions each, and we are here to answer each other's questions. A maximum score of six. You can play along at home, and, of course, your maximum score is eight. Let us know how you get on on all of the socials at Fulhamish Pod. We want to know your scores and who is the king of, or queen of the Fulhamish quizzing. Okay, shall I start off with some questions? Yeah, go on, Sam, hit us up. Okay, so my... Questions are both based around Christmas. That's nice, as it's the time of the year. (laughs) Hate you. Last Christmas, what position were Fulham in the table? And for a bonus point, how many points did we have? So this quiz is now out of seven and nine. Well, you've really ruined the scoring. (laughs) You
3: can't give
0: bonus. Um, Okay, no, it's just a bonus. Okay, there's no extra point, but you know, just kudos. So last Christmas, what position were Fulham in the table? We all got one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who is the last team we played at home on a boxing day?
5: Um, Jack's Googling it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get off Google. Yeah, I know
0: the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've gone with too difficult there. I've gone with one tricky and
2: one not so tricky. I know the answer. Yeah, surely everyone should know the answer. It's not that hard. Not, it is hard. I don't know it. <laughs> can't, can't find you, all, ben. Mm. There are Ben? They're my questions. All
0: righty. We're going round anti clockwise. So, Jack, on to you.
1: Okay. I will go next. My questions are thus. <laughs> so the first one is, Fulham sold Sean Aluko at the end of the transfer window.
5: Farrell he, still hasn't got over it. No, he hasn't. He's he
1: has since played 21 games in all competitions for Reading. How many goals has he scored in all comps?
2: Oh, in all comps. He's, he's thrown that one in there. Mm, that's a key part of the question. I
1: think. It is, yeah. Following that, Fulham yeah. played Cardiff at home on the first day of the, uh, the first day of the season that didn't involve the transfer window. Two players who joined in the summer started for Fulham against Cardiff at home in the first game after the transfer window had closed. As who made, were they? As it made their debut. No, they oh. just two new two Three new bugs. additions oh, right, from okay. the summer <laughs> joined played in the Cardiff game. <laughs> Sorry, who were they?
0: I found that very hard to understand, but I've got it now. You were stupid. Yeah, really stupid. All right.
5: James. BJ. <clears throat> okay. Um, Fulham have a long uh, history and association with players from America and Canada. Name three North American scorers for Fulham that aren't Clint Dempsey or Brian McBride. Hmm? Say it again. Sorry. Name three scorers for Fulham from Canada or America that aren't Clint Dempsey or Brian McBride. Okay. Okay. You got three? Yeah? Yep. Cool. I do, yeah. Next one is: Who is Fulham's first million-pound player, and where did we sign him from? Is this? Uh, do you have to get both
0: parts right to get the point?
5: Yes. Ooh, that's tricky.
0: Okay, uh, Dom has been working hard all day at his questions. He's been really
2: sweating yeah, over finished. which questions to go for, so I'm dying to hear them. Well, in 1415, we had a pre-season tour of Scotland. <laughs> How, <laughs> how many Scottish teams did we play? I'll give it a rest.
5: Such oh, I know. Ah,
2: yeah, Jack was probably there. I
5: know one definitely. Gallivanting round of his Irish flag. Definitely played Motherwell. Yeah, I we remember
2: did. that. She signed Sean Hutchinson afterwards. I was there, obviously. Of course you were. So, not you don't need to know the teams. You just want to know how many teams. I mean, for a bonus point, if you name all no, three no teams. No, so no bonus, bonus points. One. This how, is out of eight. Name how many teams? Done three. <laughs> we played three uh, teams. Yeah. Okay, next question. Before Poznan in pre-season this year... Brilliant. I said... what? (laughs) Before Poznan in pre-season this year, I've mentioned it on the pod before, what has been my favourite European pre-season?
5: Oh, I got this. So easy. So easy. Shout out David Field if you're listening.
2: Okay, I think that is it. We all had time to answer our
0: questions. Yeah. Right, so I said last Christmas, what position were Fulham in the table? And a bonus which doesn't get you an extra point, just, you know, for fun and games. How many points, Jack?
5: Ninth. Ben? I put 11th with 37
2: points. Oh, yeah, how many points? Mm, 39. Okay. Dom? 12th. I didn't put any points down, but I just guessed like 38. Jack, you're spot on. It's ninth. Mm,
5: know. hmm.
2: He knows. Just how many points did we have, Sam? Uh, we had 33. So four mm. more
0: than this time of last season, just out of pure she'd... interest. Shit. Uh, who is the last team we played at home on a boxing day? Chelsea?
5: <laughs> I didn't know West Ham have a guess i put Aston Villa
0: Southampton when Berbatov scored and did uh, keep calm and pass Berber the ball or whatever it no.
5: was yeah no I didn't know that so who
0: did you, you
2: pick I put West Ham because I thought it was the time we played West Ham yeah, yeah and
3: then Carlton Cole scored twice yeah, and we lost two one. that was the season before <laughs> and it was two who presented the ball to Carlton Cole and strike Aaron Hughes scored And then the two who presented the ball to Carlton Cole, and they went 3-1. But the season we went down...
1: Wasn't he supposed uh, to be in prison at that point? We
3: played. Yeah, let's not go there. We played... We played Sanam at home, and Berbatov scored, and uh, Chris Baird gave away a penalty for handball. Indeed. one
0: Here we are. Strong memory. Okay, so Jack's still on one point. The others are on zero. Uh, If independent adjudicator Dan agrees
1: with
5: me. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, that's
1: what I've got. Okay, right, Jack... So I said, um, Sean A. Lucas played 21 goals in all competitions for Reading. How many goals he scored, Sammy? Two. Ben? Two. Dom? One. Yeah, Dom, Dom Bet's correct. It's, oh, a, it's, it's a, a classy, classy trick, little trick, trick question, question yeah. from your boy. He actually hasn't. All, the, all those 21 appearances for Reading have been in the championship
0: little dick that was what it was because I was like I know he scored one but I assumed he must have scored in the cup whoopsie Ah, oh. sue me
1: alright so um, Jack and Tom I'll one. see you in court um, what, so, so who were the two fine. who were the two players that played against Cardiff the two uh, new players to the club shall we say do we have to get both of these you have we to get both of them for a point this season two new players started for Fulham against Cardiff can you name them both for a point
0: I'm um, going to change my answer it's last minute Font and Norwood
5: No. Molo and
2: Norwood.
0: Nope. Molo and... Cissé. Cissé. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, no,
5: no, Don no, I thought Sise came on. <laughs> no, he started. Norwood replaced him halfway through the half. Does Dom get a point No, for I that? don't get a point
1: for that. because They <laughs> literally
2: gave the answer away. I think um, Molo I
1: couldn't think of anyone. Else. No, it was Molo oh. and
2: Sise with the oh two God, players. I'm I'm giving
5: myself half a point. Oh, Sweet. What? <laughs> There's no half points, I don't think. <laughs> okay, right, ben. ben, it's on to your question. <laughs> okay. Um, my question was uh, Name three North American scorers for Fulham aside Dempsey or uh, McBride. You could have had Emerson Hyman, Tim Ream, Carlos Bocanegra, Thomas Rosicki, or Paul Pesca Solido. Sammy, who did you have?
0: I had Bocanegra, Radzinski, and Eddie Lewis.
5: Eddie Lewis never scored for Fulham. Yes, you did. Oh, oh, no. no it didn't no. score in the league. It didn't score yeah, in the league. Didn't, didn't, the question didn't. Yeah, did it didn't, in fairness. Well, I'm saying league anyway.
1: Sorry, Sam. I think Sam's going to have to have a point. Oh, uh, come I don't think that. so. Come it's on. It wasn't flag. listed on Wikipedia, mate. Oh, that's unfair that. I did Reem, Pesky Salido, and Radzinski.
5: Scored,
3: d- yep. scored against Derby in the league, cup
2: <laughs> League. Doesn't cup. say it
3: on Wikipedia. You're right, it's a lot you have.
2: Bogonega, Radzinski, and Tim Reem.
4: Yeah.
5: All of you get a point. Including Apart you, Sammy. Sam. Go on, <laughs> you can have a point. <laughs> Thank you. The other question was who was Fulham's first million pound player? Sammy? Chris
2: Coleman? Nope. nope. I actually put Eddie Lewis? Nope. Nope. Let's put Barry Ells as first oh, player. Well.
3: Oh, we've had the answer already. Go uh, on then. It's Paul Pescasoledo. It
2: is and Paul And we signed
3: him from Sheffield United. No, we didn't. No, we didn't oh, oh, sign him. No. Sammy?
5: Ah, West- uh, I couldn't tell you. West Brom. West Brom. Mm. Paul Pescasoledo from West Brom. So no one gets a point. For he that, is a Sheffield
1: United legend, though.
5: And Derby County as well?
1: I don't know. I just know that they like him at Sheffield United a lot. Mm. But more Probably more than we do. And I, had, he, it was my first ever shirt. Well, he was the first ever shirt I had a player on the back. It was just the 10, the lime green away kit from 99.00. Oh, uh. All right,
2: hipster. Big facts. Don Betts. Well, the question was, in fourteen fifteen 15 in pre-season, he played three... No, I'll give the answer away here, but how many Scottish <laughs> teams did we play... Uh, the answer was three. Yes, uh, yeah, three from me. East Fife, Rangers, and Motherwell.
0: Ben, did you get three? Yep. Ah, oh, damn it! I thought Matt made up.
2: <laughs> okay, then your final question, which I think we all know the answer to. You, I think actually people get, are going to get this wrong. I think I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. So before Poznan this preseason, what was my favourite European preseason previously? So let's hear from the lads. What did I think?
5: Cork. Cork. You're always bang on about Cork, <laughs> and now <though> you huh? are. <laughs> It's not going to be Cork, is it?
2: No, it's Werder Bremen in thirteen
5: (laughs) fourteen. Unbelievable. So did anyone get that?
2: No, I got Cork. Everyone got Cork. Oh, well, there you
5: are. That's where you met Liam Curry for the first time ever.
2: Yeah, unfortunately I did, yeah. (laughs) Big friend of the pod, Liam Curry. There you are. All right, well, final scores. So... uh, I got one, I think. Oh, well, Dan, if you've got the
0: scores
3: there. I've got the scores. So I I, I don't know whether we've prepared (coughs) for this eventuality, but there is a tie. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll, just live. we'll probably at <laughs> on. one point. But we'll go, we'll go in, we'll go in uh, ascending. In, in, in we'll go backwards first here. Yeah. So Sammy, you got one point. Brilliant. Well played. Ben's got two points, and Dom and Jack are going to have a Christmas quiz off at some point because yes. they're tied on three points. Three points for the lads. Well done. Yeah, just me. That's it.
1: That's <laughs> it we'll have a pint off later so i think i think
3: in the next pod that you do we should have a, a compilation of questions put together by either the listeners or somebody and uh we should have a sort of sudden death or
2: no, it's just so you can down yeah. a pint well, quicker we'll
3: later. A late live pint off on the Twitter <laughs> feed of the <laughs> podcast uh, later. Uh, yeah. yeah okay. Well um a reef off.
2: Cottage Talk and
0: Fulham Focus challenged us to a quiz. So there we go. You two are nominated to play.
1: Excellent mate.
2: Really? <laughs> We're excited. gonna do
1: absolutely dreadful, won't <laughs> <aren't> we? <laughs> yeah. We'll um, we'll we'll really
0: show us up on that quiz <laughs> That was the playoffs for it. Right. Well thank you for listening to this Fulhamish extra to Jack Collins. Thank you very much. Thank you so Me. Ben Jarman, thank you very much. Sambo. Don Betts, thank you very much. right, And independent adjudicator Dan Crawford, thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Uh, lovely to hear your thoughts on the FST and also all the preview to the Barnsley and Cardiff games. So what's happening with the pod over Christmas? We won't be in a studio, but I'm hoping that. After Boxing Day, we will be able to put a little pod together, maybe from our own respective homes, uh, with a Cardiff reaction, Barnsley reaction, and also a Hull preview as well. That is TBC though; that is depending very much on technical capabilities. I'm going
1: on loan to Barcelona-ish. Yeah, for to the Jack,
0: Jack is Jack is out of action. I'm hoping Don might be able to be called on though. Yeah, just give me a call on the, in the car back on from Cardiff. There we Fun. go. We'll see you very, very soon. Have a lovely Christmas wherever you are around the world. Thank you for listening and all your support. It means everything to us and hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a Merry New Year.
1: Laters. Take it easy. See ya.